Broken crayons. Broken crayons. Broken crayons still color. This is the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast with your host, Shelly Hitz. Each episode contains an inspiring story of hope and healing in Christ. Many times, what we see as our biggest regrets, failures, and mistakes become what God uses the most in our lives. God is able to transform our brokenness into something more beautiful than we can even imagine. He takes our mess and creates a masterpiece. You see, Broken Crayons Still Color. Welcome to the Broken Crayon Still Color Podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Hitz, and in today's episode, I'm going to share the audio from a video that goes with my book, Broken Crayon Still Color. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you remember back in episode four and five, I did a similar thing and I shared the forgiveness cross. In this video, I share about healing the brokenhearted and I I share about my own struggles with sexual sin of pornography, but also the sexual abuse that happened to me and just some of the things that God has shown me through the years to help me really see that healing is possible and that there is hope. In this video, I recommend a book that my counselor had me go through. And I wanted to let you know the title and the author since you can't see the book because this is the audio from the video. So the title of the book is Biblical Healing and Deliverance by Chester and Betsy Kylestra. You spell their last name K-Y-L-S-T-R-A. And I highly recommend the book, but I really pray that this episode touches your heart. It really helps you to have hope for whatever situation you're in and that God does his work in your life through this episode. Please know that I'm praying for you. And if you would like to watch all of the videos that go with my book, you can watch them for free at brokencrayonsbook.com. And my book, Broken Crayons Still Color, is available online at online retailers. You can find it on Amazon or other websites as well. In 2002, my husband and I took off in this suburban and we headed off to be short-term missionaries in Belize. Now, some people think of short-term missionaries as a couple weeks. We actually were there for two years. This was our first home that we lived in in Belize when we were missionaries. There were so many things that were different living in a third world country, but one of the things I had to get used to was all the bugs. Anyone else not really love having bugs in your house all the time? We had ants and cockroaches and spiders. And you know what? After a while, God just allowed me to deal with it. It was on the La Luma Luz hospital property. I'm a very, very deep sleeper. But one night, I just remember being awoken by some noise in the kitchen. I walked out to the kitchen and I I heard some noise. So I got a flashlight. I shined this flashlight to where I heard the noise and all of a sudden I saw the biggest rat I have ever seen on the edge of my garbage can looking at me with these big teeth. And I was like, "Ah, that is like the biggest rat I've ever seen. My husband came out, the rat ran away, we couldn't find it. And I was like, okay, I can deal with ants, but rats? Are you serious, Lord? And so the next day we went to property managers for the hospital and we said, what do we do? We have these rats. They're like huge. What do we do with these rats? And they're like, oh yeah, the rats. They knew. 
They said, yeah, that's that's pretty common around here. And they said, what happens is where our house was located, it was positioned right by this huge field. And they said every once in a while, they take out the mower and they just plow down the field. And when they plow down the field where these rats have been living, they come out of hiding and our house is one of the first places that they find. But they come into the hospital and everything and we're like, okay, well, what do we do about it? Because we have no clue. We're just these innocent little Americans. We had no idea. Oh yeah, we'll just give you these traps. You set up these traps and then you have to drown the rats. Literally, like this is what they did. Once we caught the rats in these traps, then CJ had to go and drown them. It was just, oh, it was unreal. I mean, I've never experienced anything like it before, and I hope I never have to again. <laughs> but my stepfather, he is a gardener, and there have been tons and tons of animals eating his gardening stuff this summer, and there was a groundhog. Now, I didn't get a picture of any of our rats that we caught in this trap, but the picture he sent me the other day reminds me of the rats. <laughs> <laughs> this is the groundhog he caught and it's in this cage and then he had to take it down to the stream and drown it just like we did with the rats and today I have to tell you this is the picture God gave me about what may be going on in some of your hearts because you see some of you may be living in this house you may have these great visions of what God's gonna do in your life like we did when we first moved to Belize and then maybe after reading chapter two, maybe some things started coming up. Maybe some things started bubbling to the surface. You got caught off guard, just like I did that night so many years ago in Belize. And all of a sudden, it's like you're standing there facing this giant rat in your home. And you're like, ah, what do I do? There's this thing. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know what to do. And I want to tell you, just like we went to the property managers of the hospital and we asked them, what do we do? We have these rats. What do we do? They knew exactly what to do. They had the exact tools we needed and we were able to take care of the issue. But one thing I want to point out about this story is there was a reason the rats came out. What was that reason? the entire field got mowed down every few months and it took away the home of the rats. And as we begin to deal with some of these deeper issues, it might be just like your field has been mowed down and all these rats start coming out and you're just overwhelmed and you just wanna get away and you're just like, Shelly, I can't deal. There's too many rats. But I wanna tell you, there is hope and there is a way. God knows how to deal with every ugly, scary rat in your life. Everything that you may have gone through. Everything that may have been done to you. Everything that you may have done. He has the answers. He has the healing. I don't have the answers for you. I don't have the words for you. But he does. And more than anything today in this video, I want you to come away with a feeling of hope because there is hope in Jesus Christ.
2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. I memorized this when I was going through some of my deepest, darkest battles. And I, I want, want each of you to know that you're not without help in this journey of healing. Listen to this promise from God's word. Though we live in this world, we do not wage war as this world does. Our weapons are not the weapons of the world. It, our weapons are not self-help. Our weapons are not trying harder. Our weapons are not the things that the world teaches. We have different weapons. Our weapons are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So whether that stronghold is pain from your past, whether that stronghold is an addiction, whether that stronghold is unforgiveness, I don't know. I don't know what you're walking through. I've had many strongholds in my life. One of the toughest was my pornography addiction that I walked through and I actively participated in for two years. But God gave me this picture and he said, Shelly, it's like your stronghold is this brick wall. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever your stronghold is today, it's like this brick wall. And he said, Shelly, I have divine power to do what? What does the scripture say? To demolish strongholds. He gives us the wrecking ball to demolish those strongholds. Now, I'm not promising it's going to be easy. I'm not promising it's going to be quick. I'm not promising it's going to be overnight, but I am promising that there is an answer, there is a resource, and there is power in Christ to demolish whatever you are facing today. On the other side is something more incredible, more amazing than you can even think or imagine. Please, please don't give up. Please don't lose hope. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard, but it is so worth it. God has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and give you a future. I would have never in a million years imagined I would be an author of over 40 books, that I would be an international speaker, that I would be sharing these messages with you today. I never thought I was worthy you may feel that, that you, you just can't see the future. You don't have hope today. But I want to tell you there is hope in Jesus. Now let's say that you went out and you have a, an, a huge orchard of trees. And they're fruit trees. They're apple trees. You go out and you check your trees. And you're like, okay, um, this one particular tree, the fruit was, is all rotten and bad and gross. What would be the first tendency that you would want to have with that tree? I don't know about you, but it's to pick off the bad fruit, right? Let's get rid of the fruit because that fruit is rotten. It's bad. But if you're looking at a tree that has bad fruit, there's probably something going on even deeper. The issue may not just be the fruit. Usually it's not. Usually it's much, much deeper. Sometimes we need to go deeper to get to the root of the issues in our life. Let me just give you an example. I was talking with someone the other day 
it was actually at an author event, but she's a Christian author and God ended up using me to minister to her in a powerful way that I ended up sharing that I'd struggled with pornography. I wrote a book on it and God's been using it. She ended up sharing with me that she had a lot of different addictions and a lot of different pain, a lot of different things going on that had never been healed. And she, she was still struggling. She said, Shelly, the picture I get is I try to deal with this one thing. Say the pornography. I try to deal with this. It's like the whack-a-mole. You whack it. And you're like, yes, I've got it. And then something else pops up. It's an eating disorder. Whack. I got it. And then something else pops up. Workaholism. Whack. I got it. And then something else pops up. You see what I'm saying? And there's a lot of things in the church that are socially acceptable that we can run to, whether it's shopping or relationships or food. And it can be like that whack-a-mole. And she said, Shelly, it's, it's like I'm, a, I'm dealing with the whack-a-mole. And I told her at that very day, I said, it is time to get to the root. And for her in particular, it was sexual abuse, healing from sexual abuse that she had faced. And, and I don't know what it is with you. I don't know what it is at the root for you. I don't know what it is, but you may feel like you're right now, you're whacking a mole. And it's like, okay, I'm just dealing with the fruit. I'm, I'm pulling off all the bad fruit, but it keeps coming back and I can't figure it out. And I don't know what to do. I wanna encourage you to look deeper to the root. One of the things God had me to do when I was really looking at the root of some of the sexual issues that I was dealing with, yours, like I said, yours could be different. Yours could be worry. You, you could be dealing with a stronghold of worry. Yours could be something completely different. But when I was dealing with the issues of sexual strongholds, I went through counseling. So my counselor asked me to purchase this book to read during our time within counseling. They have a chapter in this book that God used to really help me get to the root of some of my issues. You may or may not have this issue, but one of the things they talked about was generational patterns. As I really began to think about it and look back into my family history, I definitely have a history of sexual sin. Both sides of my family, it's there. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. I knew it was there, and I'm sure there's a ton of things I don't know that happened as well. Family secrets, and you know, there's some things that I've learned as an adult that I didn't realize growing up. I realized there was a stronghold in my family in those generations. So one day I went through this book. There's a prayer in this book for that chapter. I think it's chapter three. And I went through the prayer where you just go through and you ask God to break any generational patterns in your life and to do a healing from anything that may have been taught to you or passed down to you. I was in my sister's basement at the time in a little corner doing my little thing, spending my time with God before we went out and did stuff that day. And I can't explain it. It's, it may not be the same for you, but I just want to share that for me personally. When I went through those steps, there was something that lifted from me in the spiritual realm. There was something I, I, could just, I could just sense. There was something God was doing on a much deeper level than I, had, I could even ever imagine. I want to encourage you. If you have had a stronghold in your life, it, it may be time to look a little deeper and not just pick off the bad fruit. 
and say, okay, I'm good. Not just do the surfacey things. God will lead you to do things differently than he'll lead me to do things. We all have a different path to take, but I just want to encourage you that there may be something deeper that can help. I love this quote by John Eldridge. He says, if you wanted to learn how to heal the blind and you thought that following Christ around and watching how he did it would make things clear, you'd wind up pretty frustrated. He never does the same thing twice. He spits on one guy, kind of gross, but he does. For another, he spits on the ground and makes mud and puts that on his eyes. To a third, he speaks. A fourth, he touches. And for a fifth, he kicks out a demon. There are no formulas with God. Can you say that with me? Let's say it together. There are no formulas with God. I can't give you the formula. I can't give you the five-step plan to healing your broken heart, to being, you know, breaking free from sexual sin or whatever bondage you're in. I can't give you the formula because there is no one formula. The way in which God heals our wounds is a deeply personal process. He is a person and he insists on working personally. For some, it comes in a moment of divine touch. For others, it takes place over time and through the help of another, maybe several others. So as I'm sharing my own story and as I'm sharing with you what God has walked me through, I don't want you to think it's a formula because there are so many ways that God works and he wants to be active and personal with you. I was walking through a time and really sensed that God was leading me in what's often called an inner healing prayer. This is just a certain type of prayer where you can visualize the situation and say, Jesus, where were you in this situation? It can be a very healing thing. If you've been really extremely hurt in the past, I don't recommend doing this alone, but doing it with a counselor, pastor, or someone that you trust. I felt God leading me into doing this. It was eighth grade and I was on a bus and we were getting ready for a field trip and we were actually um, out and coming home from that field trip. It was nighttime, it was dark, and a boy that I had a crush on, big crush, and I had been trying to get his attention all day, asked me to sit with him on the bus on the way home. Needless to say, I was exhilarated. I was like, yes, he's finally paying attention to me. But it was on that bus, on the way home from that field trip, under a blanket that he had brought, he did things to me that I didn't want him to do. I didn't ask him to do. And up to that point, I hadn't even kissed a boy. So when I was in this inner healing prayer, I just saw us on that bus. And after he did these things to me, I, it, it was just a picture of, of this porcelain heart, my emotional heart. And like he took a knife and he crushed my heart. And I, I just saw my heart go into a million pieces all over that bus. And I, I said, Jesus, where are you? And I saw him standing there just crying and crying. And he went around and he lovingly picked up all the pieces of my heart. He came back to me and he looked at me in the eyes and he said, Shelly, I have all the pieces of your broken heart. You're not ready for it now, but when you are, I have them. And I saw him take those pieces, put them in a safe and lock them away. And then he, he, he showed me the key. He said, Shelly, you've been looking to your husband and to so many other things to, to be the key to healing your broken heart. And I am the one, I'm the one that holds the key. 
He took the key, put it in the safe, and he brought out all those pieces. And it was as if in that moment, just miraculously, my heart came back together in a mosaic. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't the same as it was before, but it was back into one piece. And he showed me that day that he was doing a deep healing in my life that nothing else could do, no one else could do. And there was something that happened that day that just really brought me to a new level of healing with the Lord. And guess what? He wants to do the same for you. It's gonna look different. It's not gonna be the same. It's not gonna be the same process, but he wants to do the same with you. Healing is possible. Luke 4, 18 to 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is where Jesus is talking about the verse in Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that word bruised reminds me of this verse. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus said, I will go and heal him. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. I believe every disease includes healing our broken hearts, healing our wounds of the past. It doesn't just mean physically. I believe God wants to heal us emotionally too. And yet so many times we just stuff it down. We walk through life and we ignore that part of us. However, if we have a gaping wound and it's dripping blood, where are we going to run to immediately? We're going to run to the ER. We're going to say, help me. I'm going to bleed to death. And so many of us are walking around with gaping wounds emotionally that have never been healed. All we need to do is say, Lord, I'm willing. Luke 6, 19 says, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. It may not be in the timing that you want. It may not be in the way that you want, but healing is possible. And then Matthew 8, 16 says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. However, one of the things that I realized, there's no formulas, there's no three-step program. There's no exact way that it's going to work the same for all of us. It's going to be a little bit different. But one thing I do know is that in order to receive the healing from God, we need to have intimacy with him because we need to, to be able to receive from him. We need to be able to hear from him. We need to be able to have that connection with him. There was a time, and I remember I was writing it out in my journal, because I felt some sort of block between me and God. I was like, God, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But when I talk about like being intimate with you, there's almost like a cringe. I almost feel like, oh, 
oh, I don't want that. And I'm like, why? Why do I feel this way? Why do I... Why do I resist intimacy with you when that is the one thing I know that can bring me freedom, can bring me healing? And yet it was almost like I was pushing him away. And I felt like God revealed to me at that moment. He said, Shelly, you've been hurt by many men in your life. You've been let down. You've been disappointed. You've been rejected. You've been used and abused. And you see me as a man who wants intimacy with you and you're just like, no thanks. I've been down that road and I don't want to get hurt again. And yet God told me that day, he's like, Shelly, I am not like the men in your life that have hurt you. I am not like that boy on that bus all those years ago. You can trust me with your heart. I'm not sure if any of you feel the same way or if any of you have been there where you've felt that resistance. But if so, I just recommend digging a little deeper, seeing if there might be a reason, there might be something at the root of what is keeping you from having that intimacy with God. So I don't know if trust is an issue for you. It was an issue for me even trusting God. And I, and I felt like horrible. I felt like a horrible Christian saying that I had trouble with trusting God. But it's okay. It's okay to admit it. But just come to God and ask him, you know, what it is that's keeping you from him. It was October 9th, 2009 was the exact day. I wrote it in my journal that I felt prompted by God to start telling my own story of my struggle with pornography. And I said, I know, Lord, but I think I've been too ashamed. You know, I was just so filled with shame. I just felt like God said to me, it's time to stop living in shame about that and be real with these girls. Because I was speaking to teen girls at the time that need to hear your story. And I just said, oh, Lord, it hurts, but it hurts. (laughs) And he said, I just felt like he said, I know it does. You were hurt, used, and then taken captive to a habitual sin by the enemy. It distorted sexuality to you, and it still impacts you today. I said, Lord, it feels so hard, and I feel so vulnerable. I said, I know it is. Trust me. These are topics not many are talking about. And because they, many people are feeling the exact same way, there's they're feeling the same shame. So they don't want to talk about it. Kids are receiving sexual messages and they need to hear it from a biblical perspective. I said, wow, Lord, this is intense. He says, yes, it is. And I will lead you. That was in 2009. And I've shared my story over and over and over again. It never gets easy. I never want to share it. It always feels hard and vulnerable, but I know that God has asked me to share it. And he showed me through these words of Joseph. Joseph in Genesis 50, 20, he says, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers. But you know, the enemy intends to harm us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It says in John 10, 10, says, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
And I'm not saying God intends any abuse to ever happen. He, 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 that's not his purpose. That's not his intention. But he can use anything for his good and for his glory. And he's able to use it to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. I don't know how many people have been impacted by my testimony or by my books. But I know many have come to know Christ. They've surrendered their lives to Christ for the first time. Many have been freed from the weight of unforgiveness. Many have been finally able to address the hurts and the wounds of the past and finally be free. And then many have been freed to go and share their story. You intended to harm me, but God is using it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. But I want you to know today, no matter what has been done to you, no matter what you have done, God can use it for his good and his glory. But it all starts with a surrendered heart. I often tell people, you know, you have to be desperate enough. You have to be willing. You know, I had gotten to that point where I was desperate. I desperately wanted free from my pornography addiction. And those of you that have struggled with addictions, you know the cycle. And you know how it feels to just be so desperate that you just want free. Some of you may not be at that place today. Some of what we've been talking about may have brought things to the surface, but you're like, you know what? not quite ready. And that's okay. I'm not here to to force anyone to do anything. I'm here to share my story and say it is possible. Freedom and healing is possible. But it starts with a surrendered heart. Thank you for listening to the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast. We have a gift for you. Download Shelly's hand-drawn adult coloring pages, as well as printable scripture cards, and all the transcripts from this podcast at www.brokencrayonsbook.com. If today's story inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a comment on iTunes. We love hearing from you and your encouragement means the world to us. In closing, God is the artist and our lives are his canvas. What will you allow him to create from the broken pieces in your life? When you are in Christ, you are his masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece.